The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Skin care and plastic surgery are hot topics these days. Let Dr. Rubenstein answer your questions and explain what you'll want to look for in aesthetic products and cosmetic procedures. Get ready for a discussion about all things aesthetic. Now, live from Miami, Florida, American Board Certified Plastic Surgeon, Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Welcome back to New Reflections. We've got a wonderful show for you today. We've been talking about weight loss, and that's been the the topic for the past couple of weeks. We talked about surgical weight loss. We talked about medical weight loss. And then when you lose all all those pounds, you may find that there are changes to your body that aren't what you expected. You know, you'd hope you'd drop all that weight. You'd start looking fantastic. And some people do. Certainly the weight loss is the critical first step. But once you get those pounds off, you might not like what you see in the mirror. A lot of patients after losing 50, 60, 100, even 200 plus pounds see tremendous changes in their body, and it can affect your entire body. You can see changes in your face if you're a woman, in your breasts, in your arms, in your legs, your thighs, of course, your tummy. All sorts of changes happen, and this is a significant occurrence happening throughout the country, really throughout the world. We talked about this before. Over 60% of the population of the United States is overweight. Of those people, half of them are obese. A lot of these people are losing the weight, and they're doing it through the means that we talked about on the show in the past couple of weeks, either through having a gastric bypass or lap band, surgically losing your weight, or seeing a bariatrician and having a a doctor help you with medications, with life-changing habits to lose all the excess weight. Then when you get down to that goal weight, or as close as you're going to get, you may be thinking about having body contouring. And that's what this show is all about. This week, the show is called Shrink Wrap, Body Contouring After Weight Loss. And we're going to talk all about the various procedures and options for you that will help you reduce the hanging skin, the sagging in parts of your body, improve things to where you have more confidence and you feel better, and really bring you across the finish line in your journey in changing your your life, your body, your appearance, and your health. We really get to bring you across the finish line when it comes to how you look and how you feel about yourself. This is something that's been growing over the years. In 2010, there were over 50,000 procedures performed in the United States, according to the American Society for Plastic Surgeons, that were done after weight loss. This has been increasing every year in every category, whether you're talking about breast procedures, body procedures, arms, legs, or or the face. Every category has been increasing over the past couple of years. Today, we have two experts joining us to form a a small panel, and we'll be talking about all of these options. And let's just jump right into it. I'd like to introduce our first guest. 
Our first guest, we're privileged to have Dr. Al Ali. Dr. Ali is a board-certified plastic surgeon. He's a professor of plastic surgery at University of California, Irvine. And Dr. Ali is world-renowned for his contributions in body contouring after weight loss. Dr. Ali, welcome to New Reflections. Hello there, Adam. How are you? It's a pleasure. Thanks for coming and uh, joining us on the show. I'm excited to have you. You know, you are one of the world's foremost authorities on this topic, and we're privileged to have you on the show. I'm excited to be here, Adam. Well, let's talk about the problems that people face. I was just talking about losing weight. We've been talking about this on the show the past couple of weeks. But then after you shed weight, we were talking at least 40 to 50 pounds, and in many cases, well over 100 pounds. What are the typical problems that you end up counseling patients about? You know, they come to you and they want to look better. What are the typical things you're discussing? Well, I think the first thing maybe we should talk about is what, what, what happens to the body, in essence, as, as it goes through the process of weight gain and weight loss. And I think a simple way for uh, the listeners to understand that is it's very similar to a balloon that you inflate a, you know, a very large amount, you leave it inflated for a week or two, and then you deflate it, you take the air out of it. Um, in some people, if the balloon has an excellent quality, as you said in the introduction, they may come back and, you know, that balloon may come back to a small little balloon, but the majority of people are going to have a very loose balloon that is redundant and hangs down. So that's kind of the overall concept. Now, the areas that are problematic, and I'll kind of tell you, the, in order of complaints, in, in essence, the frequency of complaints. The first thing that people complain about is often they have an apron in their belly that hangs down, and that apron doesn't stop in the front in massive weight loss patients. It kind of goes on to the sides, and they have a, the area, the pubic area drops. They have their thighs dropping. Uh, their hip area is, is a lot lower than it should be. And in the back, the buttocks also drops. So in the area of the trunk, or what we call the lower trunk, those are the problems that people present with. Um, connected to that, as I just briefly mentioned, the thighs are also an area in some people that are uh, very problematic. In some people, the thighs are very deflated uh, by the time they come see us as plastic surgeons, meaning that they don't have very much fat left in them and just a lot of redundant skin, but often that area holds on to fat. And we still have to do something about that, meaning deflating it further uh, as we think about body contouring. Last but not least is the upper body, which includes areas like the upper arms. And what a lot of patients will come in and complain about is they call them their bat wings. Uh, yeah, I've heard and, that too, yeah. Right. And um, then uh, some people have rolls that kind of go off in their, in their upper back and in a lot of people, they kind of continue on with breast rolls, especially in women. But actually, also, it happens in men. Uh, quite a few uh, women have, I'm sorry, men have uh, breasts, essentially, that uh, they don't want to have anymore. So we also address those areas if, if uh, they're problematic to the patient. So, so really, of, it's the entire body. We're, we're talking about changes head to toe with people. Now, you mentioned the term massive weight loss. And I, I just want to clarify that because for people that haven't heard that term before, it sounds kind of funny, but we're talking about people that have lost sometimes hundreds of pounds. And that's the term that plastic surgeons have adopted to talk about people who have lost significant amounts of weight. There's a lot of people that will lose 
20, 30 pounds, and that's admirable and fantastic that you get yourself into better shape and you drop the weight. But what we're talking about today are people that have been significantly overweight, morbidly obese, people who are mostly over 100 pounds overweight, and they've lost a significant amount, if not all, of the weight that was making them obese. So when we say massive weight loss, we're talking about folks that were really, really heavy, very you know, dangerously obese, and they've lost the weight and gotten to a point where they're now at a healthier weight and their body's in better shape. But we're, we're going to talk about contouring things. That's what we mean when we say massive weight loss. So, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, well, you have something to say, Alan? Go ahead, please. Oh, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think because th that type of patient, from our standpoint as plastic surgeons, presents uh, a different set of problems than somebody who's lost 20 to 30 pounds. Uh, right, well, and not only a different set of problems, but their tissue, you know, you, I think the balloon that, analogy that you mentioned at the top of the show is a great one because the, when, when we as plastic surgeons see folks that come into the office with the changes that have happened after losing 100 plus pounds, the skin, the tissue overall that we're dealing with is not the same as someone who hasn't gone through that change, you know, doing a breast lift and augmentation on someone who's lost significant amounts of weight is a very different type of operation than doing the same breast lift and augmentation on a lady who maybe had two or three kids and breastfed because the, the tissue just doesn't handle the same way and the body doesn't react the same way to surgery. So there really is a special category of patient. Absolutely. Now, there's a whole host of procedures. You know, you're talking about uh, the tummy, the back, the breast, the face, the arms, the thighs. In your practice, what is typically the most common? Give me the top three procedures you guys are doing. Well, I think the number one procedure that we do, uh, and it's, you know, again, based on the frequency of complaints from the patients that come in, is to address that apron in the front. But as I said, it does not just limit its problems to the front. It goes to the sides and the back. So we do what's called a circumferential or 180-degree, I'm sorry, 360-degree uh, excision. I call it a belt lipectomy or a lot of people call it a body lift. And essentially the way you can think of it is that you're removing a wedge of tissue from the front, from the sides, and from the back continuously uh, to you know, create the appropriate contour in the area of the lower trunk, which what it accomplishes for us is it lifts the pubic area into an appropriate level, flattens out the abdomen, uh, creates uh, some hip contour or in many women an hourglass figure because it eliminates a lot of that side excess, lifts the buttocks in a appropriate position, and also uh, has in many patients a significant lifting it on the thighs, both in the front and the sides. So yeah, I mean, is, that I think that operation is probably the most profound change that can be made in one procedure. And just to, to recap, for those of you listening that might not still understand what what I call a lower body lift or belt lipectomy. Think of a spare tire. You know, always people talk about a spare tire. Well, if you imagine that there's a spare tire all the way around your midsection, that's what's being removed. And all the things that are happening, everything Dr. Ali just mentioned, it's common in weight loss patients or anyone that, that really has been heavy and lost some weight 
the skin above the pubic area will sag and it hangs down. Sometimes it hangs down over the, the, the private parts, the vagina, the penis, you, and, it, and it obscures and it becomes a hygiene problem. It, it becomes a, a significant issue. That is also addressed. That gets lifted. The excess skin of the tummy is removed. And that all gets redraped downward. You get a lift of the outer thighs, so the sagging skin on the outside of the thigh gets hoisted up and becomes a lot smoother and better contoured. And all the excess that's in the side of the thigh gets removed. Then you go around to the back, and the butt frequently sinks downward as you lose weight and gets deflated. That all gets raised up, and the, some of the excess skin on the, on the lowest part of the back is also removed. So that spare tire that goes all the way around is removed entirely, as much as can be done. It makes a profound change. So you know, that's your most common uh, procedure. Let's talk about what, what are the next two. Uh, I think in... Practice and, uh, and, and vary a little bit, but probably uh, the upper arms, or what we were referring to earlier, patients calling it a, a, a bat wing. Uh, that's the the second most common area that I operate on. And essentially, what what happens is, as again, there's an inflation and deflation process that occurs. The arms. Uh, and, and their skin do not contract down to the small little arms that one starts with. So you end up with this uh, excessive skin that uh, is problematic as far as uh, maybe putting on clothes, uh, finding appropriate clothing that fits the, the, the central area of the body, you know, where the chest is and, and having it fit the arms. Um, so uh, the medical term that is a brachioplasty, and uh, that is uh, very commonly done. It usually involves a scar that uh, starts kind of in the armpit and goes towards the elbow. Uh, it is generally a, a very effective procedure uh, for the people who understand the benefits of it and are willing to accept the scar. Uh, and like I say, I think the, the, the satisfaction rate with that procedure as well is, is very significant. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love doing that operation because, you know, I, there's always this great moment. I, I don't know about you and your practice, but I see all those folks the next day. I'm sure you do something similar. And I've got them wrapped up, you know, after surgery. And then the next day, I go ahead and remove the dressing. And that's the first moment that they get a chance to see their new arms. And it, it's frequently a really emotional moment. I love sharing that with patients because it, it, it's so rewarding for them to finally see things the way they envisioned when they started losing weight. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with that. I think, I think the belt lifectomy or the body lift, as we're talking about, um, is, I agree with you, it's probably the most profound change that you can create in body contour. And, and uh, in, in my experience, the, the reactions to that are a little bit even more dramatic emotionally for patients. I've had patients cry you know, and, and and for some patients that have had some real trouble their entire life, uh, it's the first time that they've seen their toes or their pubic area. And uh, for for those of us who've never been overweight or obese in our lives, we we don't even get that. Uh, and it's really quite uh, a life changing experience for for our patients. Yeah, it, it's it's an incredible thing. I always tell my the bariatric surgeon uh, colleagues of mine that. They do all the hard work, and then we get the fun of bringing them across the finish line. It's one of my favorite things to do 
is spend that moment with the patient the first time they're seeing themselves after body contouring when they've lost all this weight. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back and we'll talk about what your third most common procedure is, and then we'll get on to some more details about body contouring after weight loss. Join us after these short messages here on New Reflections. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. Make sure you do your homework. Why? This is not my car I'm working on. I may settle for an okay job on that, but I won't settle for anything less when it comes to my body. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust. You can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. That's 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard in the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccianello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to the show. We're having a great discussion with Dr. Al Ali about body contouring after weight loss. We're just talking about the top three procedures. The lower body lift being number one. We're talking about a brachioplasty or an upper arm lift being number two. And Dr. Ali, what's the third most common thing you think you do? Well, I think probably the the thigh reduction uh, is uh, the thing that we do the third most of. I will say that often with the upper arm procedure, we'll combine that with upper body work, meaning if the upper back rolls are bothersome or the breast is bothersome, then we'll do all of those together if the patient has those issues and wants them addressed. But as I said, the, the third most common is the thigh. Uh, and as I said earlier, um, if the thigh is very deflated by the time they get to us, then that's wonderful, then that's an ideal patient for the operation. If the patient still has a significant amount of excess in the, in the legs, and often when people stabilize their weight loss, uh, 
which is the point at which we operate on them, they still may retain a significant amount of fat there, and that makes it a little bit harder for us uh, to get them a, a decent result, but we, we can do it, just we need to do a little bit more work there. So still, even after all this weight loss, a lot of patients will have some excess fat, and you've got to account for that, and then you're making your plans. And, and making your plans is what I want to talk about next. We get patients that come to the office, and they're at various stages of weight loss. And sometimes they've lost a bunch of weight. Sometimes they're in the beginning. And, and the decision has to be made. There's a couple decisions to be made. Number one, when is the right time to begin this transformation? What are the criteria that, that you look for when you're seeing a new patient and deciding when you're going to begin this process? And then the other thing we'll talk about in a little while is how do you make your priority list? And we'll talk about that in a bit. But right now, tell me, when is it the right time? How do you know when to begin doing all the body contouring after they've lost weight? Well, I think a very important point for all of us who do body contouring work uh, is that if you think of, of this body contouring work that we do, especially in massive weight loss, uh, as essentially creating either a suit or a dress for a mannequin, you don't want that mannequin to be changing in size uh, when you make your final suit or dress for it. So uh, what that translates to in, in, in the real world is if a patient is in their journey of weight loss, uh, we don't want to operate on them while they're still losing weight or certainly if they're not while they're gaining weight. So we want to operate on them when they've stabilized their weight loss and preferably uh, for an extended period of time. So probably for most of us, the minimum amount of time of stabilization is three months. Now, I, I, I just want to make a, a, a point that stabilization of weight loss is from the point that the patient stops losing weight, not from the point where they started losing weight. So if you've had bariatric surgery, if the patient has had bariatric surgery, and let's say that was a year ago, uh, you can't say that that's a year of stability. It's from the point where they drop and stop moving as far as their weight. That's when the, when the, when the clock starts, essentially. So right, and I think uh, my policy is very similar in my office, although I like to see them at a minimum of one year after their bariatric procedure if they've had bariatric surgery, and I also like to have a minimum of three months of stability, and I'll say, because I wait one year after their, their bypass or their lap band or sleeve, I, I would say that there's some flexibility on that one year cutoff, because if they have plateaued and they've been stable within about five pounds or so for three months then I'm content that that's a good time to do it, but that three-month stability is really important to me. Yeah, I think if we ask all the different surgeons doing this, we might have pretty similar guidelines, but everyone has some subtle differences. Let's find out from our next guest what his thoughts are. I'd like to introduce Dr. Peter Rubin, who's a board-certified uh, plastic surgeon. He's also the chief of the Department of Plastic Surgery at the University of Pittsburgh. Dr. Rubin, welcome to the show. Well, thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Well, we're, we're privileged to have you, and I'm glad you can join the conversation. I know you were listening uh, as we were talking during the first segment, and you know we're discussing what's the right time. So in your practice, when do you say the patient has a green light to start with their, their body contour? Well, I, I, first of all, I could not agree more uh, with you on the issue that, that patients have to really be weight-stable, and that generally occurs 
between 12 and 18 months after uh, having weight loss surgery. And I use a very similar definition that we like our patients to have no change in weight greater than 5 pounds per month over the previous three months uh, before we see them. Uh, and there's some other important considerations as well. And one is a patient's body mass index on presentation, and we really want that to be optimized. So in our center, uh, if a patient comes in with a body mass index of 30 or below, they're pretty much going to be good candidates for anything that we can offer. And then between 30 and 35, we start to get more selective and above uh, 35, uh, more selective still, and we're really looking at uh, operations that are, that are safe and have a functional need. Uh, but if patients have a BMI that's too high, we really work with them to help them get their weight down. Uh, and another very important component is nutrition. We want to make sure that they're getting enough protein in their diet. Uh, as we know, many patients with gastric bypass have difficulty taking uh, lean protein sources like red meat. Uh, so you know, that's a, that's an excellent, these are excellent points, and uh, you know something that we don't want to glaze over. As plastic surgeons, when we see patients, they've been through. When we're talking about massive weight loss patients, most of them, although there are some that have done it on their own, but most of them have had some form of, of bariatric surgery or have been to a bariatric medical doctor and have had help losing the weight. And all of those programs include nutrition counseling. So it's easy for us as plastic surgeons when we're talking about it here on the show, to glaze over the idea that they're already being treated for that. But it's a very important point to make for those of you listening. You've got to have the right nutritional balance and, and be prepared to heal because if you're not getting enough protein in your diet, if you're really on a starvation type of a diet, you, you may not be in the best place to heal after these procedures. So that, that's an extremely important point. Uh, so in your practice, the the... Most common procedure we were talking about with uh, Dr. Ali, he, he believes that probably the, most, the top three in order in his practice are probably lower body lifts, brachioplasties, or arm lifts, and uh, then the thigh lifts. How about in your practice? About the same, or you see different? So pr pr pretty close, and I, I would put on my uh, top three uh, breast reshaping uh, after weight loss, which is a, a very popular procedure. And that uh, would, would take precedence uh, in my practice over the inner thigh lift. Uh, but I agree completely that boy, brachioplasty and lower body lift are just uh, wonderfully uh, transformative operations for our patients and, and are uh, very, very common. Now, we were talking about combinations, Dr. Ali. You mentioned earlier that frequently you might do breast work with the arms or with the back. Uh, what are the typical combinations? Because you know, there's not only the idea of the timing of when we're going to do this operation and how we can best help the patient. Part of that is the planning of the procedures. And I always talk to my patients about making a, a roadmap, a list of priorities, and how we're going to attack this. And in my practice, of course, I think probably in, in everyone's practice, we're trying to match that list of priorities with patient safety and with patient desire. So I always guide myself by what the most important part of it is for the patient, what bothers them the most, and then make my plans from there, trying to maximize each trip to the operating room to get done everything they want to get done in a safe manner. What do you think your typical approach is on average, understanding that every patient is so different, there, there still may be some trends. What combinations do you recommend, and, and how, what's your approach in, in planning your patient's roadmap, Dr. Ali? Well, I... I, I think before I answer that question completely, I, I, I want to stress that uh, this is very heavily dependent on uh, 
some of the things that you said, like uh, patient preference. Uh, but one of the major issues is the team that you happen to have as a surgeon and what you're comfortable with, too. That comes definitely into play. And I will bet that we have three plastic surgeons on that we would have three different philosophies or three different typical sets of things that we combine, uh, and we'd also be okay, and the patients would still get good results. It's just that we each work within our environment and what, what works for us. So I, I don't want to give the impression to the listener that there is one set way to do this and uh, everybody should follow it. With that being said, uh, my typical sequence uh, is that I will do uh, a body lift first or what I call a belt lipectomy, uh, and generally then my next area of, of, of operating is the upper body, which includes the, the arms, the breast, and the upper back, and if I do them all together, I call that an upper body lift, uh, or I could do them separately or even just one of them, and then the last is the thighs. Um, for me, I have some, as far as safety and, and such, I don't like to operate longer than six hours. Uh, I don't think it's safe for the patients uh, past the six hours, especially for an elective operation. So uh, those guidelines work for me, and uh, they've served me and my patients well. Okay. Dr. Rubin, what are your thoughts on that roadmap? I agree with uh, <clears throat> Dr. Ali that you know, primary consideration is going to be a patient's goals and priorities and understanding what's important to them uh, in this process. Um, it, it, for, for patients uh, who uh, would like to do uh, quite a bit of reshaping of their bodies, uh, I will uh, generally want a great combination is to do uh, breast reshaping and abdominal plasty together. I'll, I'll even do breast reshaping uh, with a uh, circumferential uh, lower body lift. Uh, depending on their body type, we may choose instead to do arms with a lower body lift. And then in a, in a, in a second stage, uh, we would do the inner thighs. And I feel very strongly uh, that we need to separate in time the lower body lift from the inner thigh lift uh, for best results and for best uh, patient safety. Um, as Dr. Ali said, if you, if you speak with, with uh, three surgeons, you're going to get three different philosophical and, and practical approaches to these uh, uh, body reshaping procedures, and uh, I don't uh, feel uh, as strongly uh, that, that there has to be a definite time limit in the operating room. We have a a very good team at our center at the University of Pittsburgh. And, and uh, as long as we're maintaining patient safety, which is absolutely the highest priority, we can go longer than that. Yeah, I think I would agree with you, Dr. Rubin. I think, I think there's definitely research that shows that some of the rates of complications begin to rise after six hours, and that's probably the basis, I think, Dr. Ali, for the way that you're, you're feeling. Uh, and I think that's very valid. But I agree with you, Dr. Rubin, that if you're having a, a reasonably healthy patient in a good situation that's well monitored and, and being cared for properly, I also personally don't mind going over six hours. And the other thing I'd say is that we, we all agree, uh, one of my great mentors in plastic surgery had, was fond of using the, the phrase, no one key fits every lock. And I think you can have lots of different plans, even for the same patient, that may turn out equally wonderfully, 
in the right hands in the right scenario. So if you're thinking about having these things done, you're going to go out and meet with some plastic surgeons. Make sure you're seeing someone who's a board-certified plastic surgeon with the American Board of Plastic Surgery and someone who has experience with these type of operations, and you're going to be in good hands. Whatever plan that you work out together with your surgeon, you're going to more than likely end up with fantastic results and be happy in the end with your transformation. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the somewhat more controversial or more difficult topics when it comes to body contouring. Will the insurance cover any of this? Should the insurance cover any of this? Is this really cosmetic or is it reconstructive? And should kids be operated on? We'll talk about that after these messages here on New Reflections. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to New Reflections. We're having a great discussion with two international experts in post-bariatric body contouring. And when we left off, we had just started to tease the idea of talking about insurance coverage and reconstructive versus cosmetic. Now, I'll say the way I look at this is when you've lost 100 pounds or more and you've got lots of hanging skin, to me, that's more reconstructive. And, you know, my definition of cosmetic is, well, let's talk about reconstructive. Reconstructive surgery is where you take someone who's sick, who has some form of a problem that's abnormal, and you operate on them to try and make them better. Cosmetic surgery, purely cosmetic surgery, is taking someone who's really perfectly normal, but has something about their appearance they don't like. You operate on them and actually make them a little sick in the hopes of making them look better. When you look at the scenario on a post-weight loss patient, 
their state is not normal. I view it as an abnormal state. So when I approach a, a, a patient with the idea of is insurance going to cover or not, my personal feeling is, well, the insurance should cover it, particularly if the insurance covered the bariatric surgery or the bariatric medicine getting the weight down, because where they are is not a normal state. They're starting from an abnormal state with lots of hanging skin that can create hygiene and, and functional problems. So in my opinion, this is reconstructive. Dr. Rubin, what are, what are your thoughts about that? You know, it's, a, it's a very, very relevant uh, uh, question. And, you know, the way that the insurance companies really address this is in the framework of, of medical need or medical necessity and what problems are, are occurring from this excess skin or from this weight loss uh, that would create a new medical problem uh, or a situation that we ne would need to be uh, reasonably treated with surgery. And, of course, there are a lot of gray areas in there. We have patients who clearly have rashes and irritation from their overhanging uh, panis, and the insurance companies have set criteria for that. Uh, where we don't really have a good answer right now is for procedures such as thigh lift and buttock lift and breast reshaping, uh, and we're, we're, this is still an area of very, very active discussion uh, with the insurance companies, companies because their whole basis, again, is medical need and medical necessity. Yeah, and and they, what they ignore frequently is the psychological component and, and just the day-to-day -day social components that these patients have to deal with going to a public gym, you know, uh, using public showers in the gym and just the way that their body has changed, you know, I, I might submit that this is, in many cases, not that different from someone having a, a significant tumor hanging off of their body, and yet the insurance company wouldn't think twice, even if that tumor was benign, about having that removed and, and paying for it, but when you, when you come to the subject of thigh lifts or upper arm lifts, it somehow is considered entirely cosmetic. Dr. Ali, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I, as Dr. Rubin just mentioned and yourself, I think you guys have elegantly uh, explained the situation from an insurance standpoint. I, I think overall in plastic surgery, we do a lot of things that uh, kind of border the aesthetic versus the reconstructive or the cosmetic versus the reconstructive. And I, I do think that the difference between us as plastic surgeons and other surgeons, there's a lot of surgeons who could simply cut out tissue. They're not plastic surgeons. They, they can simply do that. But uh, the way I look at it is uh, we not only have to uh, eliminate a lot of the problems, but we have to do it in a way that puts these people into a normal uh, state and um, for me, uh, forgetting about the insurance component of it, um, it's really, you can't do one without the other. You, you, it's part of what, what plastic surgery is. You're reconstructing things in an aesthetic fashion. So it's reconstruction creating a cosmetic or a cosmetically appealing procedure, uh, fashion. So the two things are, are interconnected for me. Um, you know, whether insurance companies believe in that or not, uh, that's a matter of uh, of, you know, how much money they want to pay out and what their incentives are. Well, you know, this whole industry in terms of weight loss is a multi-billion dollar industry. I mean, the double-digit billions are spent on this annually, and that's inclusive of the, the losing the weight 
and a small portion of that actually is the reconstruction afterwards. But when you look at insurance coverage, as Dr. Rubin mentioned before, you might get some coverage for uh, a paniculectomy, you know, removing the apron that you were talking about earlier, Dr. Ali. Uh, but it, it's very difficult to get coverage for any other problems other than perhaps is some breast issues. And really, that that is just applying it to a breast reduction. You can't get coverage, generally speaking, for a breast lift or certainly not a breast lift and augmentation as most of these female patients are going to need after losing all that tissue. And, and when you talk about functional problems, we talk about brachioplasties. A lot of my patients will come to the office that are looking for an arm lift, and they'll say, you know, Doc, I have to buy shirts two sizes bigger than what I would normally wear. I can't get into a normal shirt because my arms are so big. You know, I'm, I've lost all this weight. I'm much thinner now. I wear these small sizes, but I can't get into a normal shirt. So when I go to work and I have to wear a button-down shirt, I have to get a shirt that's twice the size of what I normally would want to wear because I can't get my arms into it. To me, that's functional. You know, that's, that's a, a problem that an insurance company should pay attention to. It's hard to argue that, and I, I agree with you. I just I I think we are, uh, in a sense, looking at it purely from uh, what is the right thing to do. Uh, and unfortunately, the the realities of the insurance world uh, are not always uh, based on that. They're based on financial issues uh, rather than uh, what is the correct thing to do. Well, you, you very delicately said that the insurance companies are in business to make money, not to pay money. And I think that's the bottom line. So when, when, when an argument can be made, they're going to make it, and it makes it difficult. But I do think the insurance companies, uh, in the end, may come around and, and have to cover a lot of these things. If we, as a plastic surgery community, can stand up and point out that this is really reconstruction, not cosmetic surgery, though it may be... Ali, Dr. Ali, as you mentioned, uh, the a, a cosmetic reconstruction or an aesthetically pleasing reconstruction is still reconstruction. Now, thinking about the insurance coverage, what? How often are you able to get procedures covered, Dr. Rubin? And what are the procedures you typically can get covered? Well, where I practice in in uh, Western Pennsylvania, we have the most success with uh, getting the paniculectomy covered, and the insurance criteria vary widely. Uh, between uh, different carriers, uh, but that procedure along with breast reduction are where we have the most success, and we found that, that for any other procedures, it's very difficult, in fact, extremely difficult, almost impossible uh, to, uh, to get them to recognize uh, the medical necessity of those procedures. So we fight very hard for our patients to get the coverage that they can get uh, when we can meet those criteria. And again, there's a range of, uh, of components that patients have to satisfy, uh, including a certain amount of time that they're treated with prescription creams by their primary care doctor uh, for rashes. And, and that's a, a very sensible criteria. Uh, some insurance companies have criteria that, that don't make as much sense. For example, uh, certain carriers require that the apron of skin uh, hangs to a certain length on a patient. And of, and, of course, every patient has a different body type and a different shape. And, you know, how can you make one policy that, that fits everyone who has lost over 100 pounds? 
Yeah, that's just that's just ridiculous. But listen, like like we said, they're in business to to keep the money, not to pay the money. Uh, what percentage of panicula? I mean, when someone comes for that kind of improvement, trying to get the excess skin off their tummy, how often, when people have insurance, are you able to get a cover? What percentage do you think has insurance approved this? You know, we we in my practice, we have a pretty high rate of approval for that. So I, I think probably. Uh, at least uh, uh, two-thirds to three-quarters of patients who have lost a significant amount of weight from gastric bypass uh, are able to ultimately meet the requirements of the insurance company for paniculectomy. Right. Yeah, no, that, that's pretty high. I, we haven't had that much. I, I need to give you a call and see what you guys are doing because we're, we're only at about 30 to 40 percent, I'd say, here in Miami. Dr. Ali, how is it in California? Well, I think it depends on what the predominant carriers are in your particular uh, community. Uh, and there are certain carriers that have 100% rejection rate, <laughs> essentially. And if you happen to be a, in an area that has a carrier that, that predominates uh, your patient population, your numbers are going to be low. Uh, and if you, because I, I have moved my practice over the last uh, couple of years from Iowa to uh, California, and I'd have to say in, in Iowa, we had a higher uh, acceptance rate uh, or coverage rate for paniculectomies than we do in California, but I don't think it's because the patients are different. I think it's just because the carriers are different. Yeah, there certainly is a wide range, but I think the take-home message for those of you listening is there is a possibility sometimes with breast reduction, uh, actually not that uncommon with breast reduction if you can meet the, the criteria, and, and frequently with a paniculectomy or removing that hanging skin in the front of your tummy, you might get the insurance to help. And it can really offset the, a significant amount of the cost for you in meeting your, your end goal and trying to get to the, the finish line in the way that you would like. We're going to take one more brief commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about kids. We talked about kids being obese and losing weight, well, we'll talk about when it might be a, a good idea and when it might be a bad idea to operate on kids and help improve their body contour. We'll be back in just a few minutes after this short break here on New Reflections. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health & Wellness. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. If you need a coronary bypass procedure, you probably want someone you trust and not the biggest bargain in town. You might get more than you bargained for. This is your face and body we're talking about. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust, and you can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation in a multilingual office. That's 305-792-7575. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard and the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You 
are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to the show. We're just getting to a topic that's pretty controversial, but I think it's going to be a growing segment of the patient population after weight loss, and that's kids, pediatric patients. Uh, we've talked with the bariatricians and with the bariatric surgeons in the past couple weeks about their feelings in operating on kids or treating kids, and, and we all agree that obesity is a significant problem in kids. 17% of the children in the United States are obese. Now, this is going to create, in years to come, uh, probably a, a larger number of kids who've had significant weight loss. Now, I'll say, most kids, when they lose their weight, because they're so young, if you get them early and, and you're able to treat them, whether it's medically or surgically, their bodies do very well. They're very resilient. The skin contracts in nicely. You don't typically have lots of hanging skin in these patients. But, you know, I can see, and I have seen in the past, some younger patients who who have similar problems. It may not be having a big apron hanging over their tummy, but there'll be some girls that'll come in that might be 15, 16 years old that you, that had, had already developed some breasts, and then after losing 100 pounds, those breasts are now you know, hanging down against their tummy. And, and that's a significant problem for an otherwise... You know, normal now, young girl trying to have a great self-image. And there may be similar issues. So let's take a moment and talk about your feelings about pediatric patients. Dr. Ali, what do you think about kids that might be under the age of 18? What are your criteria? Uh, I think, for me, the criteria that I prefer to use uh, is one of maturity rather than an actual age cutoff. Uh, and Although in certain things in, in our plastic surgery practices, for example, the American Society of Plastic Surgery does not recommend that we do breast augmentations, let's say, in an, uh, for somebody who's younger than 18. I think a lot of us do follow those rules and, and, and stick to them. In, in some of these patients, it's a little bit harder, and the line is a little bit harder to draw because uh, as all these patients have been through an awful lot and whether one... Uh, should help them at the point that that they're at, uh, rather than make them wait for an extended period of time. You know, I, I've I've only know uh, well, I've never knowingly operated on a patient that is uh, younger than uh, I think 19 uh, for massive weight loss. This patient was done in a foreign country and as a demonstration, and uh, they didn't want to tell me, but the patient was 16. And uh, as some of these patients will have, she had a complication, and I think that she had a very hard time because her maturity level was, was at, at issue. Uh, and so for me, rather than saying I'm not going to operate on anybody who's 18 or younger or 16 or younger, whatever, uh, I think it's best to look at that maturity, find out the relationship of that child with their parents, uh, are they people who are making decisions for themselves, or is it completely made by their parents and base my decisions on that? 
Yeah, that's, an ex- that's a very, very important point. I always like to see that, that at any age that the patient that I'm going to be operating on is the person that's really making the decision. And that's, that's a part of making a decision as a surgeon, whether you're going to operate on somebody or not, uh, in all plastic surgical procedures. Dr. Rubin, what are your thoughts on these kids that we might be seeing soon? Well, I know Dr. Ali just uh, really summarized that so well, and I, I agree completely. You know, I, I think that each case is different, and you have to really weigh the degree of the problem, you know, how severe is, is the excess hanging skin, how much of an impact is that having on their life, and are they really mature enough to go through the process of having surgery, do they have the family support, can they bear through uh, any potential complications, and can they make a reasonable decision at that age to trade that excess skin for scar? So a very controversial area uh, for which the number of patients has been very small, and we still have a lot more work to do in coming to some good, good conclusions on that. Well, I, I think that we, these guidelines are certainly very sound guidelines. And, and, of course, this is all treated on a case-by-case basis. But this, this is something that I think that you know our societies may be addressing as the obesity epidemic is treated in the next few years, and we start seeing more and more young patients perhaps looking for uh, improvements to their appearance and you know, reconstructing their now slimmer, more healthy bodies. What's, what's on the horizon? Let's talk about the new thing quickly before we have to go. What do you think the future holds in the, in the world of reconstruction, cosmetic reconstruction after weight loss? Dr. Rubin, what is, what is the future in this area? So there's been a great interest in using non-invasive or minimally invasive uh, technologies to uh, reduce additional fat deposits and to shrink skin. And I don't think that any of those technologies are so far progressed that they're going to eliminate the need for the surgical procedures we do. Uh, But they may be used as an adjunct to help with the recovery and help get better results with the patients. Interesting. Yeah, you may. Are you, I guess you're speaking about uh, some of the, the the fat reduction technologies like Zeltique or perhaps Zerona or Liposonics that just got cleared by the FDA. These are non-surgical ways to reduce the fat under the skin. And then, of course, there's a whole host of radiofrequency and other types of devices to try and tighten the skin. And we talked about some of these on previous shows. So you think that might be a good adjunct to some of the surgical things? Exactly. That we're doing. We have we have a whole world of, of technology, non-invasive technology, that we can potentially merge with the surgical procedures we're doing to get better results. And that's well, one area of investigation. And now, now, Dr. Ali, what about surgery? Are there any new techniques coming yeah. out? Anything you think is going to change the way we do certain things? Well, I think if you look at this subspecialty of plastic surgery and Really, it, it has not been around for very long, uh, even since its inception, which is really became popular around the year 2000. Uh, one of our biggest problems and our limitations as surgeons is the speed at which we can accomplish uh, these procedures, which means that these patients have so many procedures to have done, and uh, a huge part of, of the length of these procedures is related to just simply putting people back together or the closures uh, of reapproximating the tissues together. And even in the 10 years 
uh, or a little bit more than 10 years that we've been doing this, uh, technologies, surgical uh, sutures, uh, I won't say machinery, but uh, surgical aids that would that have helped us uh, increase our speed in, in these closures have freed us up, uh, in essence, to potentially increase the amount of surgery that's done in a single sitting. I think the future of making the surgery better is going to at least be partially related to more and more of these uh, technologies speeding up our closures so we can do more and more in any single sitting. So we're really, you know, I think that that's, a, that's an important uh, change that, that could happen pretty soon as the technology gets better because certainly there's a lot of sewing that we have to do when we do these procedures. I mean, there's a lot of recontouring, a lot of wounds to close as we're doing these contouring procedures, and that does take the majority of time of surgery, or at least a significant chunk of it. And if that can be reduced, I think you're right. We might be able to do more combination procedures, uh, perhaps more procedures at the same time in one operation and get people across that finish line a little faster and, and save them some money in doing it. We can be more efficient in the operating room and this stuff's going to cost less. Absolutely. If people, if people are looking to find you guys, uh, Dr. Ali, why don't you tell us uh, on the web, where can you be found if someone in California wants to come see you for this type of procedure? Um, UCI Plastic Surgery dot edu. Okay, so uciplasticsurgery.edu. Dr. Rubin, where can someone find you? Uh, we are at lifeafterweightloss.upmc for University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, uh, dot com. Great, lifeafterweightloss.upmc.com. Uh, I'm Dr. Adam Rubenstein. The, this has been New Reflections. I want to thank my guests, Dr. Al Ali and Dr. Peter Rubin, both world experts in body contouring after weight loss. We've had a great discussion. I hope you enjoyed it. In Coming soon, we're going to have a report from the American Society of Plastic Surgeons who's going to be meeting next week. I'm going to be there live, and uh, we may do a, an update on the latest and greatest in the world of plastic surgery. And other coming shows will include breast revision surgery, exercise and fitness, liposuction, and a lot more. Stay tuned with us here on New Reflections week after week as we discuss the greatest and latest in aesthetics and wellness products and procedures. I'm your host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Thanks for joining me. See you next time on New Reflections. We hope you stayed informed and entertained today on New Reflections. Please join your host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein, again next Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You can also email the doctor at info at dr-rubenstein.com or visit his website at www.dr-rubenstein.com. And don't forget to join us next Saturday for new reflections on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a beautiful weekend.